Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflux Blues Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and I am brought back, brought back, Nate Voss. This is the time I have returned. For, for those of you who don't know Nate, this show wouldn't even be around without him. So, you know, he's he's a longtime, actually, creator of the Be A Design cast and then a co-creator of the Reflux Blues Show and has been in Kansas City doing design stuff for how many years now? Ooh, 2011. Moved down spring 2011. Really? That, yeah, it's almost 10 years. I did, I did a 10-year stint in Omaha. My wife and I both did. And then, you know, that was 2001 to 2011. And then we're coming up on 10 years in Kansas City. And that's why that is also the point in time where I, you know, stepped away from the show to kind of refocus. And and, and, and up until now, we recorded almost everything in person, which, which kind of hampered, hampered what we were doing when you moved. Mm -hmm. Um, And and now all of a sudden we're doing some shows remote until, uh, you know, hopefully the summer, fall or something like that. All that remote business. The dates are around, you know. So what's the, what's the coolest design thing you've done since you moved to Kansas city, like in the last nine years? Okay. So what, what happened was I moved down to work at an all digital, what was at the time an all digital agency. They're now just like a full service, you know, they've been through some mergers and whatever. They brought me down. I worked for five years there and I started as senior art director, but I was basically doing the modern conception of user experience design from the get, but it was, they didn't, they didn't have a name for that there yet. And it was still pretty nascent as, as a role. Now I meet like interns who are getting masters in this, which is, you know, becoming the old man, the old man designer. We should talk about that. Becoming the old man designer and having like, oh, the young kids come out and just taking everything you thought you knew and throwing it out the window uh, with all the new hotness. Anyhow, got deeply involved in A-B testing and design through iteration and site and software launches and... What was nearly the coolest thing that I've done, Donovan, was launch a video game development team at that agency. That did not pan out. Got really close, and then apparently they had made, one, not a lot of the clients had interest in that, but two, also they had done some Flash games in the past that really didn't pan out for them as projects, and so they were just really wary at the time of getting into mobile games. But in studying mobile games i became sort of a de facto expert in the right place at the right time to get involved in more of a leadership position in mobile app design and development there so i kind of became like a thought leader and got to spend half my time at work just doing research and writing briefs and setting product strategy and so then i got way into mobile apps and that has been my life for the last seven years now is designing mobile applications i got some names i designed the second version of southwest airlines which i like to tell this the story and like they're way way past that version and that was like a barely stable it was like their first update ever like they launched the Southwest Airlines app, launched it maybe, you know, like right after apps launched as something a third party could do. And then they didn't update it for years and years and years. And so we gave them their first update. The coolest thing there, this might be actually, I'll tell two stories of the coolest thing. And 
Sorry, it's been a while since I podcasted, so I'm all over the place and I'm over. Oh, that's all right. I, I do want to mention though, when we talk about it, and you mentioned like the coolest thing is something that never happened. But that's I think very true when we start thinking about what this coolest thing is. Like I always think about, oh, what I'm working on right now. But I start thinking back and yeah. it's like some of those things that almost happened might have been your best work. Yeah. Like, I had a the concept I was really trying to pitch was a it was like a match three game. So like Candy Crush or something like that, or, uh, you know, some version of Dr. Mario. But it was, uh, it was a mix between something like that and I want to say Chrono Trigger from a SNES fans in the house. And it was, and it was you were going to be an office, like an office coordinator making lunches at Wendy's and you would match up the ingredients to make like a hamburger or a fry or whatever. And then you would put them in lunch bags and deliver them to the office and then like immediately would launch into like a time traveling adventure where then you would travel through time and make lunches for, you know, cavemen and do that whole thing. Yeah, obviously that never happened, but I want to put that right now. I, I, I still do. And occasionally I'm like, how much would I have to learn in order to actually build that and just strip out the, you know, the whole branded element of it. You know, the, the two coolest things I have two that are my two favorite moments of work in the last, you know, almost 10 years. One was being at an airport a few weeks after that Southwest app launched and being in the Southwest gate. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I just got to start remembering what an airport is like again. Oh, right. They're miserable. Just okay. absolute <laughs> human cattle farms. That Yeah. I terrible, do remember the first time I visited an airport after 9-11, how much worse they got. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying they didn't get worse for good reasons. Yeah. I'm only imagining how much worse they're going to be after this as well. Maybe they'll be cleaner. That'll be nice. Maybe. In, okay. the, in the Southwest gate, everyone was on their phones and everyone was checking the Southwest app. And I was standing there with like the team that had built it. And we were just looking around and, you know, a couple dozen people all just have our app up. And that was so cool. And I was like, oh, wow, right. People will use apps if you make them, if, if they are, you know, for something important in their lives. Um, and then the second one was at Garmin. After that agency, I went to Garmin for a few years and worked at Garmin Fitness on Garmin Connect, which is their flagship fitness platform. I did the impossible project there, which is I, I basically relaunched the front front end, really the new, I guess you'd call it the homepage of the app. You know, we called it the My Day feature and took it from... It was the old version was an interface that was kind of planned by the watchmakers. Here's all the things my watch can do. So we need to put all of those things on the homepage. And most people didn't do stuff like that. So you get a homepage that's just filled with all the zeros for all the features on the watch that you didn't use that day. And we instead completely redesigned it to a more modern interface, but also very dependent upon the things that the user actually did automatically and it was i mean it was a big shift it was a big design fix and we did a beta for that we did this randomized slow roll beta out there to make sure that mostly that to make sure that one the interface worked at scale but to to make sure like all the server rewriting we had to do would work because we were like it was weird like like they had it written at the time, like you couldn't update your weight more than once a day. And the server was scripted in such a way that if you were to hit it, 
you know, if every single user updated their, their weight twice a day, the server would crash. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like it was, and so they were, oh man, we're going to have to rewrite all that code. And you know, the big boss was like, yes, yes, you will. So we had to test all that. And then just slowly seeing on Twitter and on Reddit, these people popping up like, Hey, Hey, I just got invited to a beta on the app and it's neat. And like posting screenshots and then having other people reply back like, Oh my gosh, I need this. This is so much better. When can I get this? And and like people trying to theorize like how they were getting invites and what they could do. And, you know, we knew on our side that it was just literally random sampling out to all, it was like all active members. It wasn't everybody that had an account, but it was people with, you know, activity, but just seeing that response, seeing like a writer who was at the verge, uh, Lauren Good, who was at the verge and is now wired and, and, and she reviewed uh, Garmin products from time to time. And I think a Garmin was her daily wear device at the time. And like, she got an invite and she was like, Oh guys, Garmin's doing a test and it looks so much better. And I was just like, Oh yes. Like that was such a hard project, but then just like making something and putting it out to the world and having them respond in such a positive way and have this like little percolating excitement around it. Those are definitely the two coolest moments of my career since, uh, since coming down here. Well, occasionally I get to design new things, but yeah, it's hard, but it's hard to beat. I mean, the things you really remember is, is that where you made a change that you're like, Oh, I actually helped somebody. Yeah. Like even if the project was terrible to do or whatnot, like I was, I always go back to this project. One of the last projects I did at, at at a web design job I had 20 years ago, it was, it was one of the, most boring projects to do but afterwards i found out like the people like oh it's great we we actually go home on time because you save us like hours a day now yeah like and then you're like awesome yeah and 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 that's the project i remember 20 years later i'm like oh yeah you know it's it's not the flashy one but it's the one where i'm like oh i made i made somebody happy i will tell you like straight up i struggle at this point to care about a lot of the things like when we started podcasting i was like oh man you gotta watch that trap you gotta get that special pantone ink you gotta do this thing you gotta do that we gotta get this hot new typeface and now i'm just like how can i make this work for someone in their life in the best possible way like i know like how can i nail that ada compliance how can i how can i make sure the screen reader parses this in the best possible way and then all that visual design that was the first 10 years of my career is like the icing on top. It's it, it has become like, here's the nice thing I can do to make this more pleasant for everyone while it works as well as it possibly can. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. Old me would be like, buddy, get out the room. You can't be on the show anymore. (laughs) But there's still something about getting that sweet thing where you're like, Oh man, this print piece is so great. Yeah. What's print? Donovan, let me try to remember. Let me tell you, though. The last time I had something printed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still get, we still do a few print pieces, but we've never, I mean, I've always been majority <laughs> digital, so I've never, like, it's not like my my job has shifted greatly mm-hmm. um, because we never did a crazy amount of print anyway. Yeah. But we're still happy when it comes in because it's always something neat. You're like, oh, this is cool. Oh, I can tell you the last print piece I did. It was it was my dream job. It was the dream practical project. It was a package design and identity system that I, in my youth, 
foolishly thought was like meant for market and really it was 100% meant for acquisition. But they still let me just go like hog wild with like weird die cuts and like custom shapes and like, oh, we really have to, we really have to nail the, you know, the unboxing experience and all these other guys in the room, all the business owners and partners were probably looking at me like this, this kid is mad. Like we're just, we just need boxes that look pretty so that Best Buy will buy us, which eventually they did, but they really let me go for it for no reason at all which was great. That was, yeah, that was it. I still have a few samples of that. Got to work with some very talented designers on that too. That was a fun one. Sometimes, yeah, it sounds like one of those projects where the client didn't really tell you what the goal of it was. I, even myself, I had to piece it together like a year later, what was actually happening there. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, okay. All of this makes sense now. That's why... They cared about these things and not about these other things. It's because they weren't really trying to do this national launch. They were just trying to, you know, create a viable entity for someone else to purchase it. Okay, great. But that's that's one of those things packaging still does is it makes you yeah. look legit. Like, like we had, a, I, had a, I worked on a project and they said, hey, we're going to do this full packaging with it. It's going to be fancy and we're going to do this box and all this. And then someone's like, well, we don't even need a box. Like it, it doesn't. Like we don't need any of this in a box. And they said, Oh, we messed up the last rollout. So if we make this one look really good, then it's our way of telling the customers that this one isn't a mess up. Yeah. Hey. That's not bad. A lot and of you communication can, there. Yeah. And you can do that with a nice packaging. Like when you show it to the to the people, they're like, Oh, this one isn't gonna have bugs like the last one did. This one's like polished and done. Yeah. And it works. And- Cynical, cynical me is going to be looking at that like, I wonder, I wonder if they just are making this look really nice to cover up all the bugs from last time. <laughs> Sometimes it hurts to be on the inside. Yeah. Uh, well, I know too much. Designers were not the market for this one, so it didn't matter. Yeah. So, all right. We'll be right back with Nate Voss. Nate, now... Here's here's the thing. So the, the the thing I missed the most, other than you being on the show here, is I was watching a few years ago, like Ready Player One, and I'm like, where is Nate Voss to talk about this? I never saw it. You haven't seen Ready Player One? I've seen clips of Ready Player One, but well, one of the things that one of the, like a side topic to our Mandalorian conversation might be that you had to reach out and say, I want to podcast about this as soon as possible was the only thing that got me to sit down and watch season two of yeah, what so, is in fact a very good show. So spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Mandalorian up through season two, episode seven. So if you haven't seen those and you don't want to hear spoilers, we'll catch you next show or come yes. back to this or get caught up. So I, yeah. So I texted and I was like, Nate, all I, I texted you after episode six. And I said, Nate, all I want to do here is podcast about Boba Fett on the Mandalorian. And you said, what? Yeah. My response was literally like, Oh, Boba Fett's on. Great. I guess oh, and, they. And, and Boba Fett is the Boba Fett. I I've wanted to see since 1980 after empire strikes back. That's the Boba yeah. Fett I've been wanting to see since then. And And you never really saw that Boba Fett in, Return of the Jedi. It was hinted you were going to, and then all of a sudden he falls in a pit. Yep. 
And so I was like... The, the promise of Boba Fett 40 years later, 35 years later, fulfilled. It was amazing. Uh, amazing. I was, you know, the one thing that I went into that episode hoping for, and I had seen, oh, a five-second gif on Twitter or something. And it okay. was the one part of Boba Fett where he was fighting with those uh, stormtroopers, where he was fighting clean and, like, slick. And it's, it's all of, like, a five-second thing. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if that's the Boba Fett I want. I kind of always thought Boba Fett would fight me. The note, like I mean, there's a reason. And he's vicious. Yeah, there's a reason Vader always said no disintegrations. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that was the thing. You always saw Boba, when you saw Boba Fett in Cloud City as a kid, and and he's standing next to Vader, and you're like, oh, he just hangs out next to Vader because who is this guy? He's got to be. Yeah. He's got to be tough. He's earned that. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So okay. So Mandalorian is a a good and occasionally great show that I think that is not in any way connected to its Star Warsness. I think that's a bonus. You know, again, a bonus on top that it's. You know, and I think a lot of people, I, I try to stay away from like, you know, hashtag the discourse, but like, you know, it's a good episodic show. Every show, they have an adventure, they solve a problem, and then they take a step forward. And, and, then, and, then, they, and then they start, and then they tie back together. Like all of a yeah. sudden, you know, Bill Burr's character, who who I thought was just a complete one-off episode one thing, all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're like, oh, they brought this whole thing in to build this character up that they're going to bring back in like yeah. a year later. They're earning those. Yeah. They're earning those. They, they, they did things in season one that they're, they're paying off and, and earning here in, in season two by having these characters come back or maybe just like, hey, we, we sure liked it when Bill was on set for a week or two. Let's get Bill back in season two to fill this. Like, that, that's fine. You're like, that's, it's, it's, it's good and it's enjoyable. And they even you know, gave that character some good moments, some good growth in that episode. Where he right. smokes, uh, where he, where he smokes Joe Chill, who you may or may not have recognized as the Imperial officer who uh, oh, Bill Burr wastes. Oh, is Joe that Chill who that always? Was? Yep, always getting smoked on screen. I don't actually know the actors, and I have IMDb up. I should be doing my diligence and pulling up. It doesn't. It, you know what? It's not listed under Joe Chill, so I'm having trouble getting that actor's name. But anyway, okay. same actor. Uh, no, I I actually. Speaking of setups and payoffs, they did well on Boba Fett because they set him up in the first episode when um, cool guy shows up, the marshal. Again, I'm looking for uh, cast names. Richard Iodides. I should know too. I don't. I, I, yeah, I it's mean... killing me. Uh, anyway, cool guy shows up and he's got the old armor and it's perfect because it's beat to hell. And it's like one of the, like, it should look like it was in acid for a while. Like it should be in an absolutely terrible shape. So that was, that was fantastic. And they have a whole episode around just the armor. And then that. Cause he found it and he obviously more. found it. He found it from the Sherlock pit, obviously, or something, yeah. you know, or, or after it got out of there. Right. Yeah. I, I also like that. They don't really show that. I remember being offended re reading comics growing up. My ins and outs of my relationships with Star Wars varies a lot. But at some point, it was just like, oh, he crawled back out. He went in the Starlight Pad, and we want to put him in comic books because Boba Fett's a cool character. So he just crawled back out, which is always like that was 
I always thought that was kind of lame, if I'm being honest. But well, by not showing that, by not even talking about it, just saying like, the armor looks like hell, his face looks like hell, because the guy's been through hell, like that's showing and not telling, and that's better storytelling in this medium, right? Yeah, because all of a sudden Boba Fett's bald and stuff, and you're like, it, it looks terrible. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, because he, he, who knows what happened? Yeah. Now the now the big question I had though. So Boba Fett was tracking the uniform and that's how he found the Mandalorian like immediately after the Mandalorian got the armor or something, right? Mm-hmm. But wouldn't have he been but the armor was just on Tatooine for like 4 years. And yet people knew there was a Mandalorian armor on Tatooine is why they told the Mandalorian like wouldn't wouldn't he just know to go back there and get it there? Was he tracked was the armor how he got it? Apologies to all the listeners who know these answers, by the way. But was it, if that was I, how he tracked him, then yeah, then that's like... I think it was when the Mandalorian activated something, it probably activated it. But I mean, if he was really looking for the armor, wouldn't have he gone back and looked for it on Tentooine before? Yeah. The guys... Uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of... That's sort of like, yeah, oh, Han Solo didn't find the Millennium Falcon until, you know, they turned the engine on and then he found it within like four minutes in uh in the force awakens like timothy oliphant by the way is the guy is the marshal in that's one it. who actually had the armor I was really struggling with that <laughs> he was he was kind of he, i thought he was funny in that too because like he was great he was great like, we should talk a mandalorian who's been doing who's been the best guest star oh rosario dawson yeah 100 percent rosario dawson dawson owned that and i i actually for the readers this would have been what last uh, Thursday, I think. I'm going to pull up because I had sent you a text message that says, "Here we go." Rosario Dawson showing up like a god, like she was born for the role. That was my take on. Uh, let's see, that's uh, episode five, which is her her Oscar Oscatano. Is that Osuka? Oscar? Yeah, I think is the first name. I don't oh wait, know. no, Tano is. You know what? I get I get mixed up because I didn't watch. The cartoons, anyway. Yeah, and I watched. I watched like half of them with my daughter. I think you know, but but I mean, Ahsoka. I'm so yeah. sorry, Ahsoka. That was a, that text message I sent you at four o'clock, at five nineteen. <laughs> I caught on Twitter that she's getting her own live action uh, show, set in the same uh, same time period. So. Yeah, because like now there's I was like not the only one who thought that she just um, was acting at a like it was almost like she was at a completely different level than the rest of the show. Which is not to say that the show is not at a good level, but yeah, wow, quick turnaround on that. And and the thing is, is like I keep every I'm like I really hope, and I think I texted you a little bit. It's like I hope they have an ending planned for this show. Yeah, because because so far I'm loving it, but I don't want it to go like Game of Thrones. Where and I was okay with the last no season, but it kind of ruined. You know, it's like in retrospect, you're like, no one even talks about Game of Thrones anymore. Yeah, they I was don't even that. talk about the good seasons of Game of Thrones anymore. Yeah, and it was. It was people talked about it a lot before. Like a it lot was before. omnipresent. You couldn't escape it. Like I knew everything that happened in Game of Thrones, and I didn't watch the show. Like that's how little I could escape it. And now it's poof, gone. So yeah, so hopefully, and I think, yeah, and I remember like, yeah, like my hot take on that was, you know, Star Wars is not particularly known at this stage for 
having things all planned out, cough, cough, Rise of Skywalker. I want to tell you, man, Star Wars has hurt me in the past, and The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi uh, reopened my heart. And I am super duper not here for The Last Jedi recourse. I loved it. I loved it as a deconstruction of Star Wars and as just a dope continuation. Um, I loved how it left with with hard answers. And then just, you know, the last movie just showed up. And they're like, whatever. I say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't remember his back. Just do it. I like, I also liked Last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker. I was just, eh, you know, it was, I don't think I, I was, I was all right I, with it while I was watching it. Right. But yeah. And, I, and, and I'm going to watch it again eventually, but, but I don't, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't I don't find it as strong as, as the other ones. Obviously. Yeah. I'm sure there will come a time where I see that movie a second time. You know what's weird though is Phantom Menace now, the longer you get away, like Darth Maul has come out of all of this as like the king. Yeah, kind of. I mean and that, that gets into like how much time do you have like how much investment do you have in star wars outside of of you know the core films which i guess is what star wars is now right and it kind of always was i mean i mean there are always people that like i i'm a big fan but i never like got that into like other books and movies and stuff but mm-hmm. I, I had friends that did and i love to hear the stories but i would never go and like read them and I was there, like I read the Timothy Zahn books and, and, you know, did all the things. And I knew that Boba Fett's uh, ship was called Slave One years before that was generally, you know, available knowledge. And, you know, like I was that guy, but I still like find myself lately in my old manness, you know, wist- wistfully thinking back to the days when Star Wars was just three good movies. That period from like the mid 80s to the mid 90s where it was just like, here's three good movies. They're three good movies. Oh, there, that's but even, it. And no, you can imagine no. all these things. There was other it, things. But... There was the Christmas special. Oh, God. There was, there was two Ewok movies. There, oh, was, a, God, there was a droids yeah. and Ewok cartoon. Are the there Ewok movies like, on Disney There was Plus? like, I don't know if it was, you know, it was, it was uh, almost 100 issues of a comic book. Like there were, there was a lot more than you think. You just the only thing that you remember because it's always been things you remember are the big movies. Right. So unfortunately, Donovan, I'm really saddened by this. I just did a search on Disney plus. I have it up because I have the episodes of Mandalorian in front of me. No results found for Ewok, which means the the two Ewok adventure movies, including the one where the older brother gets lit up and killed in like the first five minutes and the, the tiny sister, the adorable 80s child actor has I, to like watch her brother die like immediately in the second one and then just goes on with her life. See, I saw them when they were on TV and I haven't yeah. seen them since. Yeah, I, I have to feel like that's probably the best situation for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> just and, have those live in our memory. And, I'm, and that's why I'm like, I'm hoping this show ends like it's plotted out that it ends with where we'll remember it and talk about it. It feels like they're going to go, I, I, who knows? They could go for three seasons on this. I would totally be cool with that. I think, but, I think uh, if, they're, if they're launching like 10 Star Wars shows, I would yeah. like to think that's their plan is that these will be 
self-contained like so many seasons and then we'll just do a different type of show instead yeah this will this will roll off and and so and so will will get their own show which is obviously already happening uh speaking of that let's let's put a pause on all that mandalorian talk because there's been updates on obi-wan which is the show which okay so all want so there was going to be a spinoff Boba Fett movie, and when it got canceled, it got rolled into this Mandalorian show, right? right. And then there was they were they were developing a Obi Wan Kenobi spinoff movie, and then when it got canceled, it got spun off into its own show. That's been I think yeah, it kind of morphed into this into what it is, and they were yeah, I think when they when they began all of this, they were like, hey, we're going to do these offshoot movies now. So imagine Solo. If Solo was, oh, actually, man, that saddens me. Solo would make a much better series like The Mandalorian. Like, I would love to hang out with those characters again. I don't think and we're I think, ever going to get to. No, I, th- I thought there was going to be a spinoff on, uh, on Land. Oh, Land. Yes, I wasn't sure which. I mean, yes, if you were doing that the best way, uh, you would get Donald Glover to come back and, and reprise Lando and, and do that in that world with those actors and those characters. But when I heard the Lando announcement, I didn't see anything else. I was like, yo, is Billy D coming back? <laughs> he like, never is left. it going to be old man Lando? Yeah. What Maybe. Is- Probably that would, you'd have less to do. But they have Lando and Lando adjacent characters from. Maybe it's Lando and Lando and all of a sudden they go Star Trek with a bunch of time travel. And it's, and it's both Billy, and it's Billy D and, and Glover hanging out. I'm 100% down with that. That's perfect. They should do that show. Lando, uh, Lando, like WandaVision style or whatever they're planning on doing on that. But what I really want to ask you about is your your hot take on the reunion of Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor in what I want to call a much more storyteller-focused environment. I'm not... See, so I always thought... I mean, there's always this vision that Obi-Wan Kenobi was, like, gone. Obviously, he did things, but, like, he didn't see... Vader again until they met in a new hope we don't know that but that was always kind of the the thought was they just yeah just gone and it's so, just see because vader says i haven't felt this presence since and then he has a hissy fit and then walks away and he never finishes his sentence but then i guess later he's like no the last time i no yeah he does pretty much yeah donovan you're 100 percent right and and when and, i left you i i was but the learner and and then the other the other thought I always had was that Vader never took off his helmet other than when he was like in his regeneration bath place, whatever it was. Right, which and we so, saw in Rogue One, which by the way, for all of my naysaying uh, but on, you saw- on Star Wars in here, I, I, I'm actually catching that. I have kept up very well. Yeah, but you saw on on like Empire Strikes Back where, where he puts the helmet on and you see like the back of his head or something for like right. a brief second. And so... If that's the case, why do you need Hayden Christensen back? The guy's just an helmet. Because 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 Hayden Christensen is the actor who portrays Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, and that is what should happen. But what you, I'm thinking what is what I want to say no, is what I want. The world I, should do right by Hayden Christensen. I'm just wondering, wouldn't the world do better to get some person that's like six foot five, and just never take off the helmet? That's what, so that's what they did. That's what they did in, in Rogue One. They just had someone else there. But I even thought like, but how great would that have been if in the suit, someone you can't see at all doing mad lightsaber tricks 
wiping out a hallway of dudes if then it said and then as darth vader hayden christensen you just knew that it was him yeah but even even in the the original movies it turns out there was a third person that played vader that they never talked about until like 20 years later that did all the the, the lightsaber moves what yeah david prouse was vader yeah there was james Earl jones did the voice there's actually a third actor that played vader in the lightsaber scenes i had no idea yeah, because Lucas was like, he thought it'd be better if nobody knew. And then it finally came out that, yeah, there was someone else that also. Like Mandalorian, there's like multiple people that wear that costume. Don't break my heart, dude. Because the guy doesn't don't do the stunts. Don't pull back the curtain too far. They don't have the actors do the stunts all the time. Well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, yes, there's always, yes. There's always stuntmen, I guess. Sure. And one of, but... one of, the, one of the Mandalorian stuntmans is like John Wayne's grandkid. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what that's how I found out. He's like, because he was saying there's like a couple stunt men in there, and he can tell based on how they, how he walks, like if that scene is him or not. You know. Oh, nice. I like that. And so I, I want, yeah, yeah. So so that, but I read an interview like last year with one of the one of the stunt men, and you're like, oh, yeah, that you know, he's just you don't you don't need to need the same person in the suit all the time. Yeah, sometimes you gotta take some hits. That's a genius thing. Let's find a, a show where we have our main character, one's a puppet, and one's in a costume the whole time, and then everyone else just comes in and out. Like we can film. I'm assuming you can film a lot more because you could be filming two episodes at a time. You can make you can make the schedules work when you don't have faces. That's one of that's one of those tricks I've noticed on Star Wars is even at the intro for the show when they do like the Lucasfilm logo and the, like all the lights go over like the droids and the masks and the aliens and like when those are your main characters you don't have to pay likeness rights when you merchandise them so oh, it's yeah. easier to do that which is just one of those sad bummers of capitalism of which there are many but that's why you don't see like Luke Skywalker's face up there, right? Because you got to pay Mark Hamill every time you show that intro. Mm, I thought it was so that they could, you know, all of a sudden recast him with someone that looks nothing like Mark Hamill in a new TV show coming out soon. Oh, who's that dude? Uh, that guy for the Winter Soldier guy. Once again, just killing it with the actors' names. But they have, it was determined that he looks exactly like young Mark Hamill. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. 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 And it's it's weird too because like thirty years later you're like he doesn't look like Mark Hamill and you're like and then they show an old photo of Mark Hamill yeah he looks just like the guy yeah so yeah so that was a very exciting day last week uh, of Star Wars announced there's several other shows Clone War shows it's, yeah Ahsoka you got Obi Wan you got a Lando show you got probably some other things and most likely one of these shows isn't happening yeah and a lot of times yeah. something doesn't happen. But, Something doesn't doesn't pan out, but but either way, I'm just excited. Friday, boom! I'm gonna watch the season finale, and then I won't have to wait another year. Is that it? Is that they're just doing one more? Yeah, there's just eight episode seasons. Oh, oh yeah, that was okay. So that was the weird part of the plot of the last chapter was when he sends the like "I'm coming for you" message, which narratively makes like no sense. Like, why would you let someone like that know that you're coming? Like. In I, I, the you know, scale of this story, the Mandalorian, although he is I, savage I, with a high body count, he's still just a dude. But he's got Boba Fett with him, so I would say he's like 30 dudes. But he, 
I would say while I was watching that, I thought the exact same thing. But then I also remembered, I was like, you know what? This reminds me of when Luke Skywalker sent the message to Jabba the Hutt. Hmm. Like release, you know, I'm coming to visit next. I'm going to, you're going to release my friends. Or I'm going to murder you all. And so I was like, oh, it, it's kind of, it is kind of a dumb move, but it's also kind of like what's expected in that universe. <laughs> you have encapsulated modern Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a throwback. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Why would he use a seismic blast? Like, how could he perfectly time that explosion to kill those two, those two uh, TIE fighters. It doesn't matter because it's the thing that was cool in that movie. And you get to point to the screen and say, it's that thing. And you I know think what? I maybe, really like that. I maybe the care. issue with that is that a force user needs to do that. So then you just say, well, then it's the force. That's always been the, that's the beauty of Star Wars. Is yeah, it's always it doesn't been the, make yeah, sense. It's always the, the force. force. But when it's all of a sudden, it's like someone like, you know, Boba Fett doing it. You're like, well, he doesn't have the you I don't, don't know that Boba Fett doesn't have the force. I don't. All right, it's, we're going to be right back with Nate Boss. All right, well, welcome back, Nate. You know, I, I guess we should, you know, everyone's sitting here. It's 2020. Everyone's sitting here talking about, I mean, COVID's like an everyday conversation, right? I mean, more or less. Yes, actually it is. And if what, it's not, it should be. You know, and, and we we always gave, you know, advice to the to the youngins especially now that we're the oldens what what advice do you give somebody that's like just getting into the field now with with this situation if someone tells you that you can start the job on monday and you're 100 percent on premises at the office don't go don't take that job one of the things that my wife and i my wife is a designer as well she's been incredibly busy during this entire thing since since spring when everything kind of yeah people have off, still, right people have still been working it just doesn't feel like you're working in, yeah i mean in in our in our profession we are incredibly privileged to be able to basically work from anywhere and a lot of that was set up you know technologically with video conference conferencing systems and laptops be, becoming much more powerful computing machines and then becoming the de facto machine you know, when I got started, we were on towers and we were on towers through like the big giant uh, aluminum G5s or whatever, or just with like the first generation Mac Pros. And like that has throughout, it's become more affordable to be more mobile. And we occasionally took advantage of those, those things. And now it is mandatory. It's how we, it's how we work, but, it, but we're, we are allowed that, right? Even as a young designer, you can still be working right now and keep yourself at relatively low risk. And, and you know, it's just one of those things to always keep in mind if you're going out to a store or you're trying to go to a restaurant, which you probably shouldn't do. But if you're going to do pickup, like other people don't have that. Other people don't have the the ability to stay home like we do as as designers. And that's just one more thing to think about you know, during all of this is, is just having gratitude for our profession, allowing us to maintain better than a lot of people during this, during, during this whole thing. But I mean, there's still, there's still places hiring and there's, you know, obviously there's still places letting people go and there's still places hiring, but it's, it's, it's thrown everything into chaos, right? Yes. There are still businesses, uh, you know, that are out there doing it. And then there's a lot of people I can think of one 
story off the top of my head where there was a designer who was like maybe a day from getting their offer in writing. And then HR said, hey, actually, it seems like there might be a pandemic happening. We're just going to freeze all hiring. And then they didn't get that job. And that is an absolutely true, true story. I can't give any more detail than that. Oh, I would. Um, I, I, it was I, horrific. I, I assume that has happened to more than just that one person. Yeah. But that stuff happens even when there's not a pandemic. Just yeah. some like, you know, I worked at a place and we we're ready to make a hire. And then all of a sudden they're like, all hiring's frozen. Yeah, Arb- some other thing. Arbitrary decision. This is our, I mean, every 10 years there's been something, right? When I, you know, around 2000, it was the dot-com bust. Um, and that, that was, that was when my story took place. So, yeah. Right. And then, and then 10 years later, it was the housing bust. Yep. And that threw the economy into disarray. And now, you know, something like a third of a million Americans are dead because people lack the capacity for, you know, emotion towards their, their, their neighbors and responsibility for their own actions. And, and that's thrown everything into complete disarray. Sure hope, uh, sure hope the one in 10 years from now, wh- whatever it may be, is, is, has less, you know, death in it. But I, I remember a long time ago, I had the, the, the privilege of, it was during the housing one. Yeah, the interviewing, nine, well, the interviewing nine, Joe Duffy. 9-11 was also uh, one that threw everyone in. Also, you missed in there. Yeah, I that missed actually, that. You were out of school by that point. I was still in. Yeah, and that was right. That was pretty close to the dot-com bust. Like it all kind of. I could. I, re- I was going to say. I remember talking with uh, with Joe Duffy, who has you know been in the business for years, and I actually don't know if he's still working or not. I I think. Maybe I think I think Joe is retired ish, but and his son is kind of running the Duffy. Now. He was definitely talking about retirement. Well, but one of the things we talked about was like, "Hey, we're in a recession. This is not your first recession, is it?" And he just laughed. It's like, "No, you see these things." They're almost cyclical, and it's unfortunate, and it's unfortunate the circumstances of this one. But I think, obviously, there's a lot of reasons uh, to believe that there's a light at the end of the tunnel on this. And so if everyone can just keep their sanity and stay safe and stay healthy and promote that in the people you care about, then, you know, we can all get through it together. And the day we're recording this is the day that America, the first Americans will start getting their vaccines. Is that true? That's fantastic. I believe so. I believe It won't be me. No, well, it will be eventually. Yeah, Just, we, I, we are so many people in line ahead of me. It's okay. Me, me and you are, are lower down the list. Yeah. Um, so, but, so that's why we'll still be recording these remote for a while. Last I, last I kind of gathered, it's like by, they said by June or July, everyone that wants a vaccine will have one. Boy, wouldn't that be something. Yeah. So six months. We'll see. Yeah, just another. Well, it's, yeah, and, and like the way that I track that time, like let me know, let us know in the comments if if you can relate. But it's like actually for me, it's going to go whatever this is is going to go all the way through summer because it's 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 that my daughter is home all the time. She's doing remote school now. We're definitely going to keep doing that in uh, you know spring semester. So she's going to close out the school, her. She's in kindergarten, so it's there's a lot of parent support you got to do it's not like high school where you just have a, a kid and they will be there and they can maintain themselves maybe got to be really hands-on for that that remote kindergarten she's going to do that she's going to be here and then she's going to be here all summer and then finally someday far from now my daughter might leave this house and go to a school and 
I can have five hours a day where she asks someone else to get her goldfish crackers. And that Donovan is the day that I dream of. Oh, geez. Well, also, I, I love my daughter so much. But I know. We need a solution in our house. That's something I could design an easier way to get her goldfish crackers without she would eat all the goldfish crackers in the world uh, if, if, uh, if that was available to her. So we can't just have them out. Now we're just, now we're going to turn this into a parenting uh, podcast pretty quick. Yeah, I can uh, see that. All right. I apologize for that. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back in 2021. Nate, good to hear from you again. Donovan, happy to close out the year with you, buddy. Thanks for having me back. Anytime you want to talk about nerd stuff, you call me up. Will do. Thanks, man. Later. Yeah. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.